Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode we're taking you guys back to the year in 1977 to look at the sci-fi space conspiracy theory movie Capricorn 1. So let's get into the space shuttle, let's go into space or not and let's play you guys a trailer and I'll see you soon. Seconds. At the present time, all systems are go, all lights are green. They're looking for a reason to cancel the program. We can't afford another screw-up. All the space fans, final checks have been completed. The access arms are swinging. Final retract position. We found out two months ago, it won't work. You guys would all be dead in three weeks. T-minus ten seconds. Nine, eight, we have ignition. Six, five, we have onboard engines. We have inboard engines, one, zero, we have a launch commit. We have a liftoff in 35 minutes after the hour. What if man's greatest technological achievement... Ready, slow-mo. I take this step in the journey of peace for all mankind. ...was a fraud. Hey, slow-mo. You sound so close. It's hard to believe you really are that far away in space. It's hard for me to believe it, too. What if something went wrong? Those signals couldn't have come from 300 miles. Which signals? The television transmissions. I'm the story and I'm helping you. This can't be happening. What if someone found out? Something's wrong. Something big. They know I'm onto it and they try to kill me. The most important event in recent history. You have crossed the last great frontier. What if it never really happened? This is Capricorn One. Capricorn One, this is Houston. Capricorn One, we show red on the Something went wrong during re-entry. The spacecraft disintegrated within 12 seconds after the loss of the heat shield. We are dead. So many people have given so much. I say we get the hell out of here. Anybody disagree? All we've got to do is get to any city, any place there are people. They died striving for a goal. Get more personnel. They can't go too far on foot. Where do you want to go? I'm not sure. I'm looking for someone who's lost. No money. The whole world thinks they're dead. And the only way the truth can come out is if they live long enough to tell it. This hasn't already happened. How do we know it won't happen again? And welcome back, guys. So the synopsis for this film is a NASA Mars mission won't work. 
and its funding is endangered so they decide to fake it just this once but then they have to keep it a secret it's a PG, it's got 123 minute runtime, and it's classed as a action adventure drama. It was directed by Peter Hyams, and yeah, he's a great director. He's done some really good films uh, in the early 80s. He did one of my favourite sci fi movies with Sean Connery, which is Outland, which is another thriller in space. Uh, he also did uh, 2010, that's another great sci fi movie. So it's kind of like a bit of a sort of consider this as a bit of a sort of trilogy, really. Um, like say 2010 with uh, Roy Schneider from Jaws um, brilliant movie, really good sequel to uh, 2000 um, Space Odyssey but after doing these gritty sci-fi movies in the late 70s early 80s as I just mentioned he would later on go on to do Time Cop with Van Damme and he also did End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger so he did that, uh, I think it's classed as a horror movie I guess you could say uh, End of the World type of stuff so he kind of got that sort of uh, sort of conspiracy theory connected to his movies. He also um, executive producer for The Monster Squad, uh, that fun horror movie back in 1987. So yeah, he's done some really good stuff. And although the film was distributed by Warner Brothers, this is pretty much an independent movie, which is uh, backed by a British company called ITC. And they are the incorporated television company, and they are known for... A hell of a lot of TV back in um, the 60s and 70s with some iconic TV shows such as The Prisoner, Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, Joe 90, pretty much all the Jerry Anderson stuff, Space 1999, they helped out with The Muppet Show and they also backed a film with Michael Caine called The Eagles Landed and The Dark Crystal. So. They helped out with the budget of this film, which I think was around about $5 million. And Peter Himes actually struggled to try and get this film uh, distributed because no one was interested in it. And he actually came up with the idea after the first moon landing, the Apollo moon landing back in the late 60s. And, and he actually worked on the broadcast at the time for uh, CBS News for the Apollo missions. And he actually came out with a quote here which I've researched off the internet. I'm just going to read this. This is after he worked for CBS at the time for the Hopalo moon landing. And he says that uh, there was one event of really enormous importance that had almost no witnesses. And the only verification we have came from a TV camera. And he basically backed this quote up by something that he was brought up with with his parents and it was just a theory of his. And it's another quote here, I'm just going to read this out. He says, I grew up in the generation where my parents basically believed that it was in the newspaper it was true. And that turned out to be rubbish. And then my generation was brought up to believe television was true, revealed to be rubbish as well. So I was watching these simulations, wondered what would happen if someone faked a whole story. So there you go. This was basically Hyam's building block and then he would later go on to write a proper script for this uh, film, Capricorn One. He wrote it back in 1972 but no one was interested. Until, funny enough, you had the Watergate scandal. Everybody was in on it, it was a big conspiracy. It was all over the papers, you know, it made big news and then all of a sudden uh, people started to become interested in his script about this conspiracy and then it got greenlit by the, as I mentioned earlier, the ITC Entertainment who um, agreed the budget for this film, as I said, for $5 million and they said, let's go and make this film. But before I talk about the cast and a few other facts of this movie, uh, the other thing that's pretty cool here actually is after saying all this with like NASA and the whole film being a conspiracy theory, and I guess in some ways it kind of 
goes against the grain for NASA. It doesn't portray them in a good light, really, does it? You know what I mean? It's basically saying you guys didn't do it in a way, even though it is a story, but it's never going to be really good press for them. But funny enough, they actually helped out with this movie. It's crazy. Uh, Himes went to NASA. He told them about the film, and he said, you know, can I have some help with how you guys operate? And they helped out. You know, they were more than helpful. They actually gave him some props. And they actually lent him a prototype of the lunar module, which you see in this film. So that is a real piece of uh, NASA equipment right there in this movie. So I never knew that. I just thought that was built for the film. But yeah, that's a NASA prototype loaned out from NASA for the movie, which uh, is pretty crazy when you think about it, trying to get that one over. Thanks for lending me that, guys. Now I'm going to make a movie to say that you guys didn't go go to the moon or go out into space. So there you go. That's, that's filmmaking in the 70s for you, I guess. So there's the production of the movie, guys. That's how it got put together. So let's have a look at the cast. You've got a real solid cast in this movie. Um, you've got Elliot Gold. He plays the news reporter. You've got James Brolin, Sam Walterson and OJ Simpson. He played the astronauts. You've got Hal Holbrook. He's always good. He plays the um, main antagonist in this movie, Dr. James Kellaway. And you've got Karen Black, who plays Judy Drinkwater, another journalist in this film. And you've also got uh, Teddy Zavallis. I keep forgetting that he turns up in this film. Uh, he turns up in the end in The Crop Duster. And you've also got James Curran in this film, who plays Vice President Price. And he's known for one of my favourite horror movies, Return of the Living Dead, uh, where he plays either Bert or Ernie. I don't know which one he plays now, but yeah, he's great in that film, so... There's a cast, I'll say it's a solid cast, you've got the story, you know, you've got a really good building block for the production of this film. And then on top of that, you've got a really good film composer here as well. You've got the iconic uh, Jerry Goldsmith, he does the score for this film, and it's it's a great score. It's got a real, how can I explain, it's got a real sort of conspiracy vibe to it, do you know what I mean? That real sort of, it's almost sort of haunting in a way with parts of this movie, especially when you've got... Um, Josh Brolin trying to get away from the helicopters and they're in the desert and you're wondering whether he's ever, ever going to get back. And uh, it just it's with you throughout the whole film. It's almost like a sort of very haunting soundtrack, very sort of menacing as well at the same time. But yeah, Goldsmith, he's done some great movies. You know, he's just, just to name a few, you know, Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, Star Trek, The Omen, Alien, Outland, Poltergeist. Total Recall, Basic Instinct, The Mummy, Explorers, The Lost World, you know, Jurassic Park. I mean, <laughs> man, just to have one of those would be great. But, you know, he's got a whole catalogue of great film scores. So, yeah, you know, sort of credit to the guy. So, um, there you go, guys. Let's talk a little bit about some trivia before I do the bite-sized review. So, you've got um, a scene in this movie where the brakes cut out on a car. It's that good old, you know, driving down the road, someone's done your brakes, they want to kill you. Apparently that's the first time that was used for this film. And it was like so much in the stunt world and movie world that they went on to go and use it again and again in other movies. So it's, uh, Capricorn 1 was the first time that you used that. And the film performed a dangerous stunt, apparently. At the end of this movie, you get a great scene with a helicopter and a crop duster flying around. And the pilot of the crop duster, the stuntman, said that's one of the most dangerous things I've ever done. You know, flying a biplane with a helicopter and spinning around. He said, surprised that we made that in the end and we didn't crash. So, 
that's pretty cool. And again, but like I say, as filmmaking in the 70s, they just got on with it. It's gritty, it's great. Let's just do it. Let's get the cameras rolling. And um, there's actually a tie over here between Capricorn 1 and Outland. So in Capricorn 1, there's a company called Con Amalgamated, Con Am. And they are the same company in Outland. So when you see their baseball caps, they've got Con Am, Con Am on it. So it's the same thing. So it kind of ties over. It's a bit like um, the Wayland Utani Corporation in Aliens. So I kind of like that. I kind of like that when that sort of ties over. So there you go, guys. There's a few other bits of trivia, but I'll mention that along the way with the review. So um, let's do the bite-sized review of Capricorn 1. So the film gets straight on with it, it doesn't hang about, you've got the first crewed mission to Mars, it's on the launch pad, it's counting down, but just before liftoff the crew are removed from the spacecraft by Dr Kellaway who's played by Hal Holbrook and he tells them that this mission isn't happening, I'll explain why, follow me. They're then taken to a plane and are flown to an abandoned military base in the desert. And whilst all this is happening, the launch takes place with the public thinking that the astronauts are in space, but they're not. They're in an abandoned warehouse in the middle of nowhere and they're wondering what the hell's going on. And this is where Kellaway explains that their life support system on board the uh, rocket would have malfunctioned. They never would have made it to Mars. They would have died and that NASA would have had its funding pulled. There would be no more money to send flights into space. So he said in order to avoid that, we're just going to stage it. And this is where Kellaway shows them the makeshift uh, TV studio with a lunar module on board and like the red sands of Mars and the backdrop. And initially the astronauts um, go along with this. And they record a broadcast from the command module in space, but obviously from the TV studio. And this goes to NASA, it gets broadcast all over the world. But then there's a ground controller crew who receives the televised transmission. He notices there's a fault. He works out that they can't be in space, they've just got to be on Earth. He said that the time, the signal and the timing just doesn't work out. So he goes and tells Kellaway probably the wrong person to go and tell and he just get away goes oh, I'll, I'll look into it and then the ground controller shares this information with his journalist friend which is played by Elliot Gold he tells him that you know about the transmission but then that night the ground controller suddenly disappears he vanishes and then when Elliot Gold goes to visit his friends you know at his apartment he turns up and there's someone else living there and they actually deny the existence of his friend and this is where Gold starts to suspect that something's going on with NASA and then his life gets threatened as well this is where I said earlier this is where you get the scene with him in the car his brakes aren't working it almost crashes so his life is now threatened and now he has to try and work out what's going on and try and expose this conspiracy so the crew the astronauts actually have an ally on the other side which kind of works out later on but going back to the command module transmission, uh, Josh Brolin's character says something to his wife. He says like an encrypted message, which is quite clever. He says that he really enjoyed that holiday to like a cowboy town. But then his wife comes away and she goes, but I didn't think he enjoyed that holiday. And then she kind of puts two and two together. And certainly uh, Elliot Gold's you know, journalist character, he puts two and two together here saying that the cowboy town is actually staged, you know, it's just a, it's just a mock-up. 
So he's kind of putting it all together, thinking, is this part of the conspiracy? Is this not really happening? And then again, you get Gold's character who goes to this cowboy town. Again, he gets shot at by the officials. They try to kill him. And then going back to the studio in the desert. It's in the, in the Red Canyon. I think that's where they filmed all this as well. This is where the astronauts come out and say, or where the Josh Brolin's character comes out and says, look, to kill away. I don't want to be part of all this. This is all fake. I don't like it. It's not what I stand up for. You know, I'm an Air Force pilot. I don't like all this. So I'll tell you what. I'm just going to go home and see my wife and get tell the public that this is all just a scam. But this is where Kellaway turns, he gets nasty now, and he says, if you do that, I'm going to kill your family. There's a little button I can push that will blow up the plane that they're on. And this is quite clever now how the movie really turns that screw on the astronauts. You're thinking, you really want these guys to get out. You really want to expose the... Um, NASA officials now because they've turned nasty and the other thing is with um, Hal Holbrook is that Josh Brolin is friends with him he's got pictures of him you know at home they're best mates they've known each other and he says how can you do this don't don't say this man you know because we've been friends for a long time you're going to kill me and my family just so you can get your funding for NASA and he basically says yeah yeah I, you're disposable mate I don't really care so now you <laughs> Now, watching this film, you are right behind these characters thinking, right, you guys have got to get out of there. And they do. They escape. They get onto a plane. Um, but unfortunately, they pick a plane which hasn't got much fuel in it. And this is where they crash in the desert. And now it becomes like a, like a sort of isolation chase movie. And whilst they're trying to get out of the desert they split up into three ways um, they've all got flares on them so they say they get captured release a flare and then back home on the TV you've got um, a broadcast now of the module returning back to earth but then it blows up on entry so now they are dead and everybody in the whole world are now mourning the astronauts death but whilst they are trying to escape for their lives in the Red Canyon and you get a really good um, chase scene now you've got these helicopters that look like little mosquitoes they look like they are from another world and I think what's quite clever here I'm just going to say this is that it's a, it's a film that's supposed to be about astronauts going to Mars and I really like the way that they filmed the third part of this movie in a desert making it look like the astronauts really are on Mars They're obviously not but I just like that I like the uh set out there the chase in the desert and there's some shots there with the helicopters where they they do look like there's something from another planet certain shots where they're just um flying on the horizon and you've got like the heat clays and they do look like aliens of some sort there so i thought that was quite clever something i, I just picked up on but so as as the film rolls on you've got the oj simpson character and the other astronaut they get captured i think oj gets shot by the helicopter um the other astronaut he climbs up a ridge and he's telling a joke and then as he gets to the top they got the helicopters waiting for him so like i say the screws are tightening so now it's just down to uh, josh brolin he's the only survivor there's a scene where he finds a I think he finds a rattlesnake or something like that and he eats it, you know, he eats it raw. I think he gets attacked by a scorpion, he's suffering from hydration. 
And then back with um, Elliot Gold's character, Clawfield. He's still trying to investigate this. He gets a tip off about a military base in the middle of the desert. It's located about 300 miles away from Houston. He goes to this base. And he finds uh, Josh Brolin's necklace medallion there, which kind of connects the case up. And he now hires uh, Telly Savalas, who was a crop duster. He's got, he got his red biplane. They do a search of the desert where they spot the helicopters by a gas station. And this time, this is where Josh Brolin's characters managed to get to. And the crop duster lands and they rescue Josh Brolin and they put him onto the uh, wing of the aeroplane. Now you get like a sort of aerial combat sequence here between the plane and the helicopters. And you get the plane flying around the um, canyons plane's trying to get away from him and I think uh, Telly Zavadis releases some of his crop dust just to sort of distract the pilots and he succeeds it's where you get the helicopters they blow up one of them flies into a canyon one of them crashes and you get some explosions and then it cuts to a funeral sequence of uh, the astronauts with their family and friends in mourning you've got Hal Holbrook there you know pretending to be the guy that's really concerned about these guys you know the sort of double cross guy that he is it's televised all over the world and then you get a car turn up and who gets out of the car you got Josh Brolin in his dirty astronaut outfit looking really disheveled with Elliot Gold and they run across towards their family and they're looking at each other laughing as if yeah, we've cracked this. And then the film comes to a close. So there you go. That is it. It is out. Could you imagine that hey? <laughs> in real life? Some event like this where the guys turn up. Boom. Wow. There you go. It just leaves you. The film leaves it at your imagination in the end. But there you go. It's, um, it's a good film. It's got a great payoff. It's got some really good action. It's got some real tight bits in places where you think, you know, the tension's on. Are these guys ever going to make it? You've got the double cross, you've got the conspiracy theory. And generally, I feel like this film just, it moves at a pace. It's not one point where I feel like it slows down or it gets boring. I'll say when it starts off, you're straight on the launch pad. You're straight into the plot. You're straight in with the characters. Everything moves at a pace. It gets where it needs to get to. It takes you from point A to B very quickly. And at the end, it's, there's a really good payoff. So, um, yeah, I rate this film. It's a really good, it's probably one of the best uh, conspiracy films out there and it's just something about films made in the 70s I've heard a lot of people on other podcast shows say about this and generally in the film world there is I don't know what it is about the 70s but they really captured that grit whether it's in horror um, conspiracy films you know thrillers you know like say you had Jaws I'm going on a bit of a tangent now, but all these films, even the horror movies and stuff like that, the Amityville horrors, just had that certain grit about it. And I think this film captures that grit as well. So yeah, um, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. If you have seen it, hopefully you're a fan like me. Maybe go and revisit it. It's a, um, it's a good movie to watch on a Sunday afternoon. So that's my recommendation. So there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um... I'll be back soon. I've got um, Gary Hill joining me next week for Remo Williams with Fred Ward. So that's a recommendation from him. So we'll be having a look at that. So look at that dropping soon. And for a bit of admin, guys, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. So go and check out all the other shows on there. I'll play a promo at the end. And 
You can find the Bite Size Cinema on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and several other players on the internet if you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion. And also got a Facebook page, so yeah, put some stuff on there guys. We have a lot of fun on that page. Uh, let us know where you're watching or put some films on there you want to recommend for the show and stuff like that. So I'm always happy to do that. So um, there you go guys. Um, so I'm going to close the show. And as I always say, keep it by size, keep it safe, and I will see you soon. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.